Old Gold Club. Old Gold Club. So hello there and welcome along to another episode of Old Gold Club, My Golden Game. I'm Mikey Burrows and joining us on this episode is the captain of the team that began the charge back to where we are now. Welcome, Sam Ricketts. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, You're very welcome. Thank you for coming on and giving us your time. Um, We're going to get to your golden game in a minute and people will probably be able to have worked out by the time we get to it which one it is going to be. First of all... How are you at this period? I know you've left Shrewsbury recently. Yeah, no, I'm really good, thank you. I'm really good. Obviously, um, from finishing playing, went straight into, first of all, coaching, came back to, to Wolves in, in the academy, did that for just under a year, and then spent the next two and a half years managing. So I think probably the first time since I've been about 16, I've actually got a break. Um, so it's nice to spend a bit of time at home and, and wait for the next opportunity. Um, and what that is, no time will tell. Is it weird or are you actually quite enjoying it? No, I enjoy it. Um, I'm really, really fortunate that throughout my... I come from a family, both sides of my family, obviously heavily involved in horses, and, and I've never been bored in my life. And now I'm at home, I'm doing all the jobs, which as a manager I've not had time to do for the last three or four months. I moved home about a year ago, so I'm still doing jobs which are you know, emptying boxes and, and doing putting TVs up. I've done this week, and you know, things which just haven't got done. Um, so it's quite nice in the build-up to Christmas as well to to actually enjoy that for once, um, been able to eat what I want, you know, that, I've, um, I've done that for the last couple of years, but probably worse this year than, than ever, but it's quite nice, and then, like anyone else in January, I've got to start getting back in the in the gym again. See, this is what kind of partly fascinates me sometimes, about when you, as a manager, when you, you move on from a club, and you, you might well be at kind of one of your lowest points professionally, and your family are like, well, come on then, now you've got jobs to do. <laughs> Yeah, they um, they see it in, in a different way. Obviously, they want you to do well, everything like that. But then at the same time, my, my wife and my little boy just love having me about. Now, this season's been that hectic in the lower leagues. We've played two games a week virtually the whole season. So, um, my, you know, leaving at six, half six in the morning, getting home at six, half six at night. Now, all of a sudden, I can take my boy to school. I can spend time um, with him and, and my wife and do all these jobs. So, so they think it's great. Um, as much as as much as they want me to do well, they do think it's great that I'm at home. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got to say, obviously, you know, you you had a couple of ex Wolves players with you there, notably, of course, Dave Edwards, but also Scott Goldborn, Leon Clark had come in, Harry Bergen, yeah. Ethan Ebanks, Sandell. Um, yeah, no, sign a good few, and uh, for a lot of reasons, really. One, I knew the players, um, and I so I know they're under what they're capable of. And I know their mentality, but also I know they're good players, um, local, and, and especially with like Dave Edwards, who um, has had a great career, but he's he's from Shrewsbury and was desperate to get back to the club. And it's great to have people like that in in your in your team and in your squad. Because it's a it's a lovely link to this game because obviously we're talking about the six four rather um eighteenth of April twenty fourteen. Yeah, no it's... prizes for guessing that was it <laughs> which game it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. But because it, it's Edo who you play the one two with. For your goal, and then he goes on to be a player for you. Yeah, um, me and Edo obviously knew each other for, for. He was probably, I think, the only player I knew in the Wolves squad when I signed was Edo, obviously from from Wales connections, um, which is quite unusual. Normally, you know a couple of players every time you go in in anywhere. But anyway, so Edo was the only one I know. 
and obviously I think we ended up rooming together in my time at Wolves and obviously got on really well on and off the pitch. Um, and it's probably actually, he would be possibly the only player who would set me back in that situation because <laughs> I don't think Sacco would have done. James Henry definitely <laughs> wouldn't have done. Michael Jacobs, probably not. Uh, Dicko, no. So it was only Edo who would actually probably give the ball back to me. So I've, we've got him to thank for the goal. Some team that, wasn't it? Do you know what? When you look back and you, I think you look back at all, all the sides which ever do well um, and that... In that year, we only really started playing really well from Christmas on is when we really went on a run of it. But you look what players have done since then. So it looks like of Kev McDonald in midfield, who we, we took from Sheffield United, and he's gone on and played in the Premier League. So many players have gone on to a higher level. And ultimately, that's the sign of a good team is when players go on um, and their careers continue from that. Obviously, we were, everyone went up to the Championship that year, but some have gone up to Championship, stayed up there and gone again to the Premier League. So some good players there, definitely. Is Definitely. that partly what attracted you and what, what Kenny said to you when he wanted to bring you in? That, look, you know, you might not know some of these lads personally, but there's some good good players here. Um, to be honest, when I came, it was more to do with the fact that Kenny was there. And I knew of Wolves. And I knew Wolves was such a huge club. Uh, and, I, you know, I'd seen the decline from afar going back to back relegations and Kenny gone in. And Kenny, knowing Kenny like I, like I did, I was under no illusions that, you know, that I, I thought, well, that club's going to get promoted. They're a huge club. And then the momentum can build and go on. And that's really why I came in um, as much as anything. Kenny didn't really have to sell, it, sell anything to me because I knew him and I knew that he knows what it takes to get promoted. And then, then I did sign. And I think I was the only signing for nearly the whole of pre-season. No one signed. They didn't get anyone else over the line. And then all of a sudden, your Scotty Goldborns arrived. Like I said, the Kev McDonald arrived, your Michael Jacobs arrived, and gradually, slowly but surely, you know, all the pieces um, fell into place. James Henry obviously came, Newer Dicko was a big one in January, and that's why I think Kenny's experience knew that he would go and get the players at the right time um, when the right players became available. Uh, so I'd like, that was one of my better predictions of knowing that the club was, one, going to get promoted, but then also it was going to start a big momentum shift over the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Nua Dicko because it is one of those fascinating stories of that season. The fact that he actually scores two goals against you in December and then scores a hat-trick in this game against Rotherham. It, it's a wonderful kind of tale of just how things flipped as the, as the campaign went on. Yeah, and obviously Nua was at Wolves a year before, which I didn't know. I remember going to Rotherham and Kenny speaking before the game, so I knew I'd go be at a front. You obviously know him. And I thought, well, I don't know him. Um, with all due respect, I'd never heard of him before. And they played the game, and I can remember um, he scored a couple of goals. I think he scored one with his chest, and he was just a nuisance. I put it bluntly, he was um, quick and he was powerful, and he was a bit of a nuisance. And then come away from the game thinking, oh, that wasn't easy playing against him. And then obviously we signed him, and he was a revelation, to be fair, when he came in. Him and Saka had a great partnership and understanding together um but Dicko was a, was a real game changer for us and like you said there you know he'd been at the Wolves a year before hadn't settled went to Rotherham did well came back and, and then obviously scored a hat-trick against them I mean it's 16 goals in the games against Rotherham that season what was it about the two of you that I guess from a defender's point of view almost gives you nightmares yeah, um, I can remember the away game um, getting beat and not, um, we nearly got back into it. I think we got beat or did we draw it? it? I can't remember. In the end. Yeah, I think we got back in it at three all. Um, and you walk away thinking, well, that was quite a good point, even though we obviously wanted to go and win the game. I don't really know if I'm honest. I don't know where the goals come. I think they were quite offensive minded, but we were pretty good at the back. Um, 
And then even in, in this game we're talking about, we we were fairly comfortable. And then all of a sudden they scored two or three goals out of nothing and it was game back on again. I mean, just to put it into context, you only conceded 31 goals that season and seven of them were by Rotherham. Yeah, um, I don't know. I can remember they had some good players though. Um, obviously, Newell was up front in the first time round. Um, ben Pringle was there. Agarb was up front. They had some good players, to be fair to them. Um, and obviously, they obviously ended up getting promoted as well. So they weren't, um, by no means, they were a, a, a bad side. But I don't know what it was about those games. Um, obviously, the home game was was just something special, which which everyone will remember. But um, no, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you why. Because what were the thoughts going into that? Because uh, I I was at Crew. Uh, when obviously the promotion is confirmed and there's a bit of a pitch invasion from the away fans and all the feelings afterwards. And then my boss pulled rank at the time and said that he wanted to cover this Rotherham game. Because <laughs> obviously Rotherham could still have got automatic promotion at the time, I think. They were still kind of closing in. They needed to win the game. Because um, I think actually you beating them promoted Brentford at the time. So he pulled rank and said he wanted to do it. So I was actually elsewhere this day. And I remember kind of thinking like, like you, you, or you could hear from the reports and people like my producer in my ear going, there's been another goal. And you go, what? How has there been it, another goal? I, can't, I think we went into that game and we were quite, we were really driven as a side. And we, as much as we got promoted, you know, I wanted to win the league. And I think that was the, the big consensus around the club was not just from me or the players. I think right up from the top, they wanted us to win the league. They wanted us to make a statement, not just get promoted. And obviously, it was all about promotion. But we also, like I said, wanted to make a statement. And nearly getting promoted wasn't enough. We needed to win the league and and do it eventually like we did in, in style with the record points total and breaking however many records along the way. So we, I can't really remember, and especially Kenny's personality that week, wouldn't have been, oh, listen, lads, well done, that's job done. We would have been going into that game wanting to win. And also against a team that I think they were on a really good run at the time. And it's also, I think, especially from a personal point of view is, well, you're doing well and you think you give good, but hold on a minute, we're just that little bit better. Uh, and you want to go into that game and just remind them, hold on, we're the best team in the league. You know, it's, um, you're good, but you're not as good as us. And I think you have that, or certainly I have that going into the game. Um, and I think that's why we probably approached the game well. And we were fairly comfortable in the game, if I remember rightly. Um, there were a couple of goals up until I think 10 minutes to go maybe yeah well it was 1-0 down and then 3-1 up by half time and then a a little bit of comeback and he goes 3-2 and then Nua gets his hat trick and it's 4-2 and then the last six minutes effectively it just all kicks off well I can remember them getting the first one I think it was my man who scored to be honest um and then they've got another one, you think, ah, you, you just get frustrated because you want to be that team that just keep rolls out wins after wins after wins. And you have that mindset. We're in that mindset anyway, to be fair. So you just frustration more than anything. And then it wasn't too long off um, kickoff, obviously, um, managed to get the goal. But it was a, the real big thing was I, I just wanted to, to win the game and just remind everyone, well, not remind everyone, but you're reaffirming, listen, we're the best team in the league. We were at home. We were in a packed out stadium. It was a great atmosphere. And you wanted to, to win the game and win it in style. And, and we were 3 1, 4 2. You know, that's a real good win at home against a, a side that are doing well. And then, like you said, no one could have written the last five, six minutes of the game. So it's 4 4. And you pick the ball up just inside the Rotherham half. What's going through the mind at this moment? Coy, 
I'm rewinding a few years now. I'm just trying to remember. I think um, I could just see a big hold inside. Uh, and I think I've actually spoke to Steve Evans about this since because I've played against his teams and he was a manager and he's brought it up a few times talking to me. And I think he was, he said about something about, oh, let me go down the outside. You know, I wasn't really a danger. And I just remember rolling a ball into Edo and thinking, God, there's a lot of space. And just driving into space and shouting Edo to set me. And like we spoke about earlier, it's a good job it was to Edo because he actually did set me. And I don't know if, if you or people remember, I've, I haven't scored all season. I, did yeah. the, I think I did the post, I did the crossbar. I should have scored probably four, five, six goals at this point. Um, that's probably why I was a defender because I was still on zero and I should have got five or six. <laughs> but it just came back to me and it just felt really nice on my, on my left foot. Um, I can't really remember too much other than just trying to think, right, make a nice contact on it. And it's probably one of the nicest feet or viewing goals that, you know, it just curls into the far top corner. I think just clips the underside of the bar, comes down and sort of like the, the ball bounces around in the back of the net a little bit. And it's it's one of the, the dream goals. When you're kids in a park or I was a kid, it's the one you're always trying to do, just going to side foot it, lend it, bend in the in the top corner. Uh, and fortunately, happened happened that night. Uh, sorry, that afternoon, in front of the the North Bank as well. It, it couldn't have been any better. I was going to say. I mean, you hadn't scored all year. You weren't necessarily known for goals, but if you had that in your locker, surely you should have got way more in your career. I should have done. I was trying to get on free kicks and everything because I thought <laughs> I was all right at that. Kenny was at having it. Um, I did take a couple of free kicks in in the years after leaving Wolves, and the, I think the manager soon pulled me up. I think there's a stigma about a defender taking free kicks. If I'm honest with you, more than my um, my technique they're probably right um, yeah come on if you're uh, yeah. back as a manager and a defender comes to you and says I want to be on it you're not <laughs> I've had it this year I've had it Ethan Ethan Ebanks Sandell thinks he should be on free kicks at Shrewsbury so I let him take a few in training and then I've no, seen enough lad I've seen enough you're definitely not on him <laughs> give him to someone else so I, I'm the I'm, uh, I've just done to Ethan what everyone has done to me but listen, I should have scored more goals but I think that's a, the mindset of a, a forward or a defender whether basically scoring at that time, can you do it in the pressure moments? And, and I did it once out of however many games in the build-up to that, and I should have had a lot more. That moment, though, I mean, all hell breaks loose. I've watched this back so many times, and, and it's the reason why Kevin McDonald's goal ends up being in the 97th minute, isn't it? And when Ke- when Kev Max scores, there are fans literally on the goal line. It was just yeah. pandemonium. It was. I think that's one of those moments and in, in football you have huge ups and huge downs and for, on a personal note, scoring that goal was um, you know, was uh, probably one of, one of your highlights. And there's no better feeling than scoring. You've scored what I thought was going to be the winner because you were, you were so deep into the game. Um, late on in the game, a packed out stadium, supporters are running on the pitch. You think it can't really get you know much better than that on a, on a personal point. Obviously, it won us the game as well. And then trying to get everyone off the pitch was a thing for the game to carry on. And then, like you said, once they did get off the pitch, they were nearly back on the pitch again. And then um, they virtually were on the pitch, I think, when Kev actually put the ball in the net and by the corner flags and bits and pieces. And they were threatening to walk off the pitch because fans were on the pitch. At that point, you're saying you just want everyone off to, to make sure you finish the game. It was an incredible, I guess, kind of couple of weeks. I say I was at Crew, and then I was also at Leighton Orient when effectively the title was secured. Although it's the weird story, isn't it, that you were kind of on the bus home when the news came through that you definitely were champions. 
yeah. And again, similar to the crew game, it probably summed us up as a team. We weren't good against crew and we weren't good against Orient, but we won both games. I think James Emery scored against Orient. Um, yeah. And as a team, I think that was the only time then we could properly go and relax and say, actually, now we've won the league. Um, still wanted to go on and, and get all the record points though, I don't think. But that was the first time I think that everyone, we've got promoted, we've won the league, we've done our job and we've done it really, really well. And um, I think even Kenny might have relaxed after after actually winning the league, to be fair. <laughs> even Kenny. <laughs> uh, and Jeff, uh, Jez, sorry. Jez Mox, I was trying to get, I was, as captain, you try and always um, have an end-of-season players trip, especially when you've done well. Any team that gets promoted, any player will tell you that he'll end up with an end-of-season trip. Um, you try and get the club to contribute towards it or pay towards it. So I've been to see Je- uh, Jez, sorry, after the crew game for around that time. So listen, Thing of putting something together for all the all the players to go away and, and celebrate end of season, and he wasn't really he wasn't really having it. If I'm honest with you, he was he wasn't really impressed. Well, he must have been impressed about getting promoted, but he started to anyway. I got him to the point where I said, "Listen, if you win the league, I'll give you some money to go away." Okay, so that's what the lads were thinking about after the Orient game. On the way back, <laughs> hey, come on, Sam, get back into Jez, go and get some money now for us to go away. So next more next week, I go in. Jez, can I have a meeting? Yeah, go in, see him. Right, Jez, let's talk about going away. He says, right, let me stop you first. You're not going Vegas. You're staying in Europe. And I'm going to give you, I think he started off at like £400 per person or something like that. I was like, Jez, it ain't going to get as far, is it? I don't think it's going to pay for the flights, let alone hotel. And, and, and listen, I, I, I get it from, we got promoted out of League One. We weren't getting promoted to the Premier League. But normally when you get a, the, the, a club promoted, the club say, yeah, I'll go to... Um, go to Vegas, here's this much, here's this much spending money and bits and pieces and to make sure you have a, a real good time. Like Wigan went, and I think they went with a huge, a couple of years later, sorry, Wigan got promoted out of League, League One. They went with a huge, um, they paid for flights, I think business flights, hotels, spending money every day. We were getting offered three or four hundred pounds for the entire week. Anyway, so I went back to the lads, told them the story. They weren't impressed, obviously. Everyone had their art set on going to Vegas. So I thought, right, who's the, I look around the dressing room, who's the biggest in this dressing room here? Carl Ikeemi. Come on, Keems, you're coming with me. So I'll go back to Jez. This is like the next couple of days. Uh, Jez, come and have a meeting about this end of season trip. He said, yeah, yeah. So, okay, come down, I'll see you tomorrow. So I go down, knock on the door to his office at the stadium. I'm going to walk in. I'll tell you, Jez, I've just brought uh, Keems with me. That's all right, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, 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 not a problem. So we sit down, me, Keems and Jez. Right, Jez, we want to go to Vegas. Um, so anyway, we ended up, he relented. We were going to Vegas. He gave us a little bit more money for everyone to go. Um, and I think that was just the presence of Keems in his office, to be honest. Carlo Keemi was your muscle. <laughs> Listen, I said, I looked around the change room, see who's the biggest, who's the strongest, who's the toughest. It's Keems, come on, let's go. You can, you can come with me. I love that so much. And it's a, it, it also is a little insight into the role you played because I started this little podcast by saying, you know, you were the captain of the team that, that began the rise back up and you were genuinely club captain. You led from the front in so many situations and there must have felt an awful lot of pressure to be part of that group alongside Kenny to kind of turn things around after what had happened. Um, yeah, to be fair, I never really felt the pressure. I just, I loved doing what I was doing. I really enjoyed playing for Wolves. I really enjoyed the club. I enjoyed coming in every day. It was a big transition period. And, and part of my, I don't know, my job, Kenny made me obviously club captain, uh, was really just to make sure that all the players were 
was set and, and ready and, and, and ready and I did that just by being myself I wasn't hugely um you know um, telling the players what to do I wasn't a dictator but lead by example on the training field if I train really well every day front of the warm-up front of everything and you're you're trying to drag in a few with you we we also joined at a time or so I joined at the time we still had the likes of Jamie O'Hara was there Roger Johnson and everyone you know, there was a huge training squad in the afternoons and there was a bit of a separation. Actually, Carl Henry was still there. Now, all these players, you know, Carl Henry was done amazing for the club, but for whatever reason wasn't fit. So so it was a bit of a transition period and really it was just to make sure everyone was focused. And there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes which, which people wouldn't realise, you know, making sure the tickets, I used to get all the tickets given to me um, and make sure they were all sorted out. But the way the club was, they were separate, separated over three different sections in the ground and every player wanted their four in the, behind the dugouts because they were the best four. I don't want the four in the corner. So it took me about an hour and a half, two hours every Friday to divide up all the tickets for everyone, especially when you start doing well. At the start of the season, do you want any tickets? Uh, yeah, I'll have two this week. Once you start doing well, could I have eight this week? Michael Jacobs was on eight every week. Every week he wanted eight tickets. And then you'd have Keems or Danny Bart. Oh, can I have 10? Like the local boys, only 10 or 12 this week. You're always fighting for tickets. You've got to sort out all the player appearances with the community side, when we're doing it, where we're going, who's going where. So trying to arrange all that, just little things really, making sure that just making sure that players were were one, getting looked after and done everything right we could, but also making sure they were doing their job as well. And and I enjoyed doing it and obviously the the season was a, a success, so um it all it all um was worthwhile in the end. Thanks for listening to The Old Gold Club. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts. Wolves TV, the home of live uninterrupted radio commentary of every single Wolves game. But that's not all. Wolves TV also brings you extended and alternative match highlights, interviews with the team, behind-the-scenes features and training coverage, plus see every goal Wolves score from every angle. So check out Wolves TV online at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app.